Two small town girls living in a big city, chasing even bigger dreams. Meet your hosts, Kylie Benami and Sophie Longford. These two high fashion models have discovered that life outside of their hometowns isn't so simple. Talking all things fashion, wellness, fitness, and all of the messy things in between. Welcome to the not so simple life. I love it. Hey guys, welcome back. Our guest today is the one and only Alexina Grant. From becoming a Victoria's Secret angel to working with top fashion designers all around the world, she has definitely earned her title as a top model. Even though Alexina always looks flawless, she has struggled with skin issues behind the scenes. In this episode, we will be chatting with her about how she healed her skin, her tips for staying in shape, life as a VS model, and so much more. So let's get into it. Thank you for tuning in and being here with us. We've got a lot of great topics to discuss in this episode. We've got skincare talk, model talk, fitness talk, all of our favorite things. But first, I have to check in with my cute little co-host over there. What's up, Kylie? Oh, you know, just living that New York quarantine dream. It's starting to get bad in the city again, they're saying, which is really sad because I feel like New York is just finally like getting better and starting to feel a little bit more normal, but everything is good. I am still commuting back and forth between the city and going out east. What about you? I'm great. A little life update from me. I'm now in the Seychelles, living the island life, so I can't complain. Seychelles meaning Africa, in case anyone doesn't know here. From Saint-Tropez to Switzerland to now in Africa. And it's great. Spending my days working on the podcast, taking long walks on the beach, so I'm very happy. I feel like you are living such a nomadic life. And for me, obviously, I've lived that life before too. But this year, more than any other year, I'm sitting still. And I'm trying to just get used to that. I'm actually enjoying it. But I mean, look at you, girl. You are still bopping around. And I know you're being very safe, of course. But it's crazy. You're living life. I know we mentioned in one of our past episodes how we were both having these crazy nights sleeping and we were having these nightmares about spiders, but I found out something really interesting. So at the beginning of quarantine, when the world very quickly got turned on its head, I noticed I was having these really vivid dreams that felt super realistic and they were always so exciting and they weren't like normal dreams they just felt really different so I posted about it on my Instagram asking if anyone else was having unusually vivid dreams and I had so many responses from other people who said they were experiencing the exact same thing so then I went a step further and googled it and there was like a hundred news articles about something called quarantine dreams. So apparently it's a real thing where a lot of people started having weird as fuck dreams as a result of the world going into lockdown. Did you notice that you had any dreams like this? I mean, I don't always remember my dreams very well. I've definitely had a few crazy nights like we mentioned in that last episode, but I'm so not surprised by this because the world is anxious. The world is stressed. And, you know, when your mind isn't in the best place, it makes sense that when you go to sleep, your mind is in a crazy place, too. That's really interesting that it's like worldwide, but I'm really not surprised by it at all. 
I mean, at the time I was loving it. My days were so boring and unexciting. And as a result, I was actually excited to go to bed because I knew I was about to go into one of my crazy dreams. And it was like going into a parallel universe almost. Like I would end up at some crazy party and it was so much fun because it felt like I was really there. And I would see all of my friends. So my mind had this amazing ability to take me away from this shit show that was the lockdown and transport me to something that was actually fun. It was pretty fucking cool. I feel like you need to like write a novel like that was so descriptive and like brought me to another place like I was listening to that and like picturing your journey I mean I don't have very exciting dreams so I'm just living vicariously through your dreams but something that's really been on my mind is how upset I am that we had to skip Halloween this year I love Halloween I think it's like one of my favorite holidays I always said growing up I wish I had a birthday in October because I think Halloween parties are just so fun. But I was so sad. I like was trying to like think of costumes, even though I knew I wouldn't be dressing up. You skipped as well. I mean, how did you feel about it? I'm so sad. I didn't do anything for it last year either because I was also in the Seychelles at this time. So this is going to be the second year I haven't gone to a Halloween party. And I just love the hype of choosing a costume, getting all dressed up. And the last Halloween party I went to was Heidi Klum's party, which was hosted at Lavo in New York. Because, you know, she does this big Halloween party every year. And so I went to that dressed as Little Red Riding Hood. It was actually a pretty sick costume, to be honest. I made it onto the best dress list that year. So last year for Halloween... I was Paris Hilton and oh my god it was so much fun. I literally had the pink Juicy Couture tracksuit. I had the Louis Vuitton purse with the chihuahua in it. I totally played up the persona. It was so much fun like the whole night. I just didn't even act like myself. I was Paris. If someone's like hey Kylie come get a drink I wouldn't answer. I'd be like I'm Paris. Excuse me. It was a really good costume and I'm just gonna start brainstorming now for next year. I remember when I was 10 years old I went to a fancy dress party and I went as Paris Hilton when I was like 10. Always been a big fan. (laughs) Oh my god. I also wanted to tell you about this new product that I just got for my skin. This is not a promotion. This is literally just how passionate I am about this product. It is by SkinCeuticals and it's called HA Intensifier. You guys know I love a good hyaluronic acid and this one really takes the cake. Oh my god. I like literally have a moment with myself when I'm rubbing it on. I'm like, oh, this is so nice. I love this serum. So you have to try it. So I don't think I'm ever going to take it out of my skincare routine. That's how much I love it. Yeah, I saw you posting about it. I was like, fuck, I need to try this. I'm screaming it from the rooftops. Everyone needs to know about this serum. Yeah, well, on the topic of skin, we've got Alexina coming on today who's going to talk to us about some skin issues that she's been struggling with and I feel for anyone who struggles with skin issues because it can be so deflating and miserable especially for models whose whole career relies on how your face looks it's incredibly stressful and I've gone through it and it ends up being the only thing you can concentrate on and you go to a casting and that's all that's going through your head and it's oh my god they're gonna look at my skin and think why am I even here I should just leave and it makes you feel so shit about yourself it's like one of those things that you just think every single person around you is noticing like you just assume in your head everyone's looking at my face everyone's looking at this pimple everyone's looking at whatever rash scar whatever it is on your face it's like just such a hard thing to not feel obsessive about and it's really such a shame and especially like you said as models like 
maybe we're even more hypercritical. Yeah. You just got to remember it's normal to have skin problems. And most people, I'd say, go through a time where they struggle with their skin. So it's just about finding out what the root cause is, doing what you can to fix it, and in the meantime, not letting it take over your life. So I'm really happy Alexina is going to join us today to discuss this and give us some tips on what we can do to get good skin. Same. Let's go ahead and get her on here. Hi, Alexina. How's it going? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Good. We're excited to have you. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. How are you guys with the quarantine? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been too bad for me, actually. I've always been in a nice place. So, I mean, I haven't gone back to work this year yet. I've been too scared to do it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are like that, though, who I've talked to. I was going crazy at first. Now I've learned to, like, embrace the slowness a little bit and work is finally becoming, like, more regular, thank God. Yeah, crazy times. Let's start this off by talking about your incredibly successful career. Do you want to tell us how and when you got into modeling? I started when I was 17. I entered a competition in, you know, You Magazine in England. Mm -hmm. And my mom said it was a good idea to maybe model to pay for university. Clever mom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I won won the one in the UK because it was like, it was called Photo Model of the World. So you did your hometown areas and you try and win that one and then you would fly to New York. So I won the London one, went to New York. My mom came with me because I was underage. And then it was a week competition there. And then I came third in that and won a Maybelline contract. So I was lucky. I got a really good start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then my mum left and I stayed um, over in New York for like six months. But my career didn't like, I got the Maybelline contract, but I never really shot with Maybelline. I shot with them once and that was it. And then uh, it took me like six years to have a good start then. Like I was doing like jobs here and there, but not much. I was in debt by like 150,000 because I wasn't earning any money. Uh, I remember going home so many times and like just saying to my mom, I'm going to quit. There's no point. Like it's been like four years now. And then, and she's like, no, keep going, keep going. So I kept trying and then like when I was 20, I think it's when I was 25, 26, L'Oreal spotted me and then I started working with L'Oreal and then my career started after that and took off. Wow. So you were spending your time in New York when everything was like somewhat slow? Uh, No, I was in Paris. At the time, I was married to a French man. So I lived in Paris with him. We were there for six years um, and I was just doing like small e-com jobs here and there and then just living life up in Paris really not speaking French (laughs) and then from L'Oreal we we did a collaboration with Balmain with Olivier for his makeup line and then Balmain Olivier liked me and then I watched his show and then I did his campaign and then that's how the whole VS thing came in because then in the same year I did the Balmain campaign Victoria's Secrets were using Olivier for their show in Shanghai. And then so Olivier kind of got me into the VS show and said, I can we have this girl? And that's how it started with Victoria's Secret. So it was all for me. It was all like, not word of mouth, but someone believing in me and then it going on from there, like a domino effect. So great. So let's talk about your experience with Victoria's Secret. You started on the runway. You weren't shooting with them before you walked the runway. Yeah, I started in Shanghai in 2017. What was that like? It was amazing. Like you hear, you know, we hear all the stories of all these girls doing it. And it was definitely an experience. A week before I just split up with my husband. So for me, it was like also very emotional because I was going from splitting up with my husband to flying to Shanghai. And I think I was just keeping myself busy at the same time as well. But like just meeting new friends there and like people supporting you. And it's kind of a surreal feeling. And you don't realize how much of a big impact VS has on your career. I remember like thinking, okay, like 
uh, I'm in the share, blah, 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 I did it. And then I started working with them for like e-com and then the campaigns came and then I was made an angel. And then when I was made an angel, people were saying, oh, you know, your life's going to change, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, like, I live a very like quiet life. I live in my apartment. I only have a certain group of friends. But then like when I was walking on the street and people were recognizing me and asking for photos, I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. What is it like actually doing the runway show though? Did you get nervous beforehand? Was it a bit overwhelming or did you hold it all together? No, it was, I was very nervous. Thankfully, a lot of the girls like give you support and things backstage. But I guess you and you guys know when you do high fashion shows, even then, you're so like pumped up on adrenaline and I think what helped me is the VS show they tape it twice so if you do mess up in one of the walks they don't put it in they do the walk you did for the second part oh I don't know that yeah so if you mess up you can edit it out and put the good part in (laughs) so the crowd watches you guys walk twice as well Yes, but it's um, different crowds. So they have tickets for different times. I think the first show is at 6 p.m. and the next one's at 8.30. Which one's the big one where they like load up the front rows and everything with celebrities? It's the last one, the 8.30 one. Well, that's good. You get your practice running. Yeah, and the first one, yeah. But like when I did the show in New York in 2018, I actually fell in the rehearsal really bad and they had to bring a doctor in. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, I got a big gash all down my leg. So I had this big parachute on and there was like wind machines up and down the sides and my parachute got stuck in the wind machine and it yanked me back as the the wind was going so I was like flew all the way back off the stage oh my god (laughs) yeah like everyone freaked out and I'm like I'm the kind of person I don't like to cry in front of people so I'm like (gasps) I'm like it's okay it's all good it's all good it's great doesn't hurt yeah I started like getting up you're like your blood's bleeding I'm like no it's all good it's all good (laughs) what did they do how did they make your leg look like you know they just got a doctor on set uh, and he just like like bandaged it up until we did the actual show they took it off and just put loads of makeup on it and you couldn't even tell like there's a photo of Bella kissing my knee backstage with all the photographers but that that was it no one else could know that it happened oh my <laughs> god that's crazy and that was your second show yeah that was the second show yeah okay at least it wasn't the first that just yeah <laughs> that's true that'd have been bad luck <laughs> so tell us about becoming an angel and how that whole journey started I did the two shows uh, and then I was shooting a lot of campaigns with them. And then it was getting to the point where I was shooting so much. I think they were just like, oh, like we're going to get some new angels involved. There was like four girls, new girls who got signed. And I was one of them. Like my agent called me and and they were like, so I've got some good news. I was like, what? And they were like, you're becoming an angel. I'm like, shut up. Like, I didn't believe it. I was just like, no, yeah, you're joking. And it was a really surreal moment. I didn't really believe it until I had the contract in front of me, which took another like few months after. When I got the show too, it was the same thing. Like the first show, I worked so hard because with the girls, you're kind of all in competition with each other. VS don't tell you to be skinny. They don't tell you to lose weight or anything like that. It's just the girls' mentality and how we're all competitive with each other. So I remember I was sat on, on the sofa one evening and I was eating a piece of chocolate cake because I'd done the <laughs> casting and like done it all I was like oh I'm gonna have this chocolate cake now and they called me and they were like you've got a call back and I'm like what this is my third time because I tried three years in a row to get it every year so the, yeah, the third time and I was like oh but I'm eating chocolate cake I went straight to Chick-fil-a right after my <laughs> casting straight yeah. away large fry 12 pack nuggets extra barbecue sauce <laughs> yeah you got to do you have a specific diet or changing routine that you adopt in the run-up to the VS show? I can eat whatever I want. I'm really lucky metabolism-wise. But the only thing I do is I used to work out twice a day before the show and before the casting. 
but more or less I can eat what I want like I've got no problem there as long as it's not like pizza all the time or anything but a balanced diet what kind of workouts do you like to do I do Muay Thai and then I have a personal trainer just for weights and everything did you do sports growing up no I danced I did um, ballet and theater for 10 years. Wow. So then when you're not training before the show, do you train just as often? Do you just train like every day of the week or a few times a week? Like how often do you like to work out? I train four times a week. I usually do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then have the weekend off and have Wednesdays as a rest day. And I usually do Muay Thai twice and then the personal trainers twice as well. So I, it's also for mental health. Like It really helps me because especially in these times too, you're just stuck in the house. There's not really anything to do outside anymore. Like you can't really go to a comedy club. You can't like, you know, socialize in big groups. So for me being stuck in the house all the time, I need to have even that social interaction with somebody else. So what were you doing when quarantine first started and you couldn't go to a trainer or go to a workout class what were you doing at home I was doing you know the Nike app they have different workouts on there like Kirsty Godso yeah yeah and Joe and Ariel and but for me I I could see in my body I was losing definition because I wasn't using weight so I was using my body weight but it wasn't the same but I'm really lucky because my body snaps back pretty quick when as soon as I start using weights but it was really hard and then when lockdown because I was in England when it happened when lockdown started to get lifted then I found a personal trainer my hometown and I and we and he has a garden so we we did social distancing working out in his garden oh perfect I do want to get into your skin because I know you've had some troubles with it and you've been very open about it on social media at the moment and the before and after photos are insane like whatever your dermatologist is doing he's doing it right do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what was wrong with your skin yeah so I had a lot of stress and it started with an eye problem so I had something called uveitis and then that was connected to, they did like blood work, and that was connected to an a autoimmune gene, which was HLA-B27. And in with that autoimmune is rosacea. So I just had the eye problem for a while, got rid of that. And then another part of stress came last year, and I started getting what I thought rosacea was. And rosacea is not curable, it's just trying to be manageable with it. So I went to a dermatologist in New York, and they told me, okay, it's rosacea, we'll do this. So they gave me their special products, put me on antibiotics for two months, and then they lasered my skin on the different spots. And it, honestly, it went down. It took a while, but I was like, oh, okay, so it must be rosacea because it is working. But then the flare-up would be like every few months. And then in December, more stress with family, my sister's mental health, and I was like at home, and it was like a lot of toll on my body. And my skin just flared up and I couldn't get rid of it. It was impossible. Like, I didn't know what to do. And also in lockdown, it got even worse. So, like, I was, like, emailing companies asking, like, can I try your product for my skin, blah, blah, blah. They were sending me loads of stuff for different rosaceous. None of it worked. And then I went on this kefir thing where you drink kefir milk uh, every morning. And then she also gave me some of the products to put on it. And I thought it was working, but then I would get a flare up again and then it would be itchy and whatever. So then in June, uh, when London finally was allowed to work again, I contacted someone who I knew and they gave me the dermatologist that I went to in London. And he was like, Alexander, you don't have rosacea. I'm like, no, I do. I've been diagnosed for years with rosacea. He's like, no, you don't. I'm like, I'm telling you I do. He's like, no, you don't. And he was like, you've, you've got adult acne. I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah. So he started treating me with this. I was still on my antibiotics from rosacea. He said, just stay on the antibiotics until the finish and then you'll come off them. So I'm like, I had another month left. So I stayed on the antibiotics. He gave me two light chemical peels and he gave me two microneedlings. And it got worse at first. And that's why I was freaking out. Like for the first week I went to him, I freaked out for the whole week because he put this peel on. 
and it was like getting worse there was more spots coming and he was like it's normal he's like because the peels bringing out the spots that are underneath your skin I'm like oh my gosh and I was like this is my career too like and I, I it sounds stupid like I said on social media because yes it's just looks and yes you'd be, I felt like I was being dramatic but I feel like for us when it's our career too and when people are looking at us all the time it's like oh my god I didn't want to show my face to anybody so how did she diagnose you with rosacea did she just look at you and say immediately it's rosacea yeah that was it and that's why sometimes I feel like American doctors they just want money in England if you go to the NHS it's free but here everything's paid for so I'm like well you should really like look at other options than just diagnose something straight away you know I mean I know firsthand how hard it can be to cope with skin problems I remember us talking about it before when you thought you had rosacea and I shared with you how bad my eczema was at the time and when you're in a flare-up or you're breaking out it can have a drastic impact on your work and castings become super stressful because you know the client is going to be staring at your face with such concentration and it can make you feel really insecure but did you ever find that when your skin was going through a bad time that affected your career in any way? I got really lucky because the worst it was was in lockdown to be honest before that I wasn't really working like crazy so it was just easy to cover up but I actually it really flared up in June and I was working a lot in London in June but clients were so nice like they would have said don't worry we're just photoshop because I was just doing catalogue wasn't beauty or anything like we're just going to photoshop it and I was really surprised like how cool English clients were about it what would you have changed like going back to the beginning when you saw that first dermatologist like if you had to do this all over again would you have seen multiple dermatologists and got multiple opinions I would have gone for a second opinion for sure and I think also I would have gone to England to be checked out because <laughs> for some reason they have more of a personal approach there. You know, they have a, they care more. And the dermatologist I'm with now, he asks for photos every day, even though my skin's like bit like clear. He asks for photos every day to see what's happening, what's coming, uh, and he, and then he changes my cream in between. So like he sent me cream out last week, a new cream to match my skin because he tries to dry this the skin out and then he brings back the moisture in slowly which is what he's doing now has the dermatologist you're seeing now given you any advice or told you what you should be doing now on to stop your skin from getting bad again he just said well if you can be less stressed but that's hard yeah (laughs) because I don't feel stressed so and then just a clean diet like not too much crap I eat a lot of chocolate and he says, if you can eat dark chocolate, but that's not going to happen because I'm obsessed with milk chocolate. But I just limited mm. how much I was taking. You're doing less dairy. Yes, trying to. But it's hard because being English, lots of cups of teas and, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and lots of milk. So I am trying to do that. And then I went gluten free. So at home, I don't have bread. I have gluten free bread or gluten free pasta. When I'm out, I can't, I don't really care as much, but yeah. It's better to be that way. You can't exclude everything. You'll go crazy. So then for stress, like you said, you don't really feel the stress. So your body can be under stress and you may not even like be feeling it mentally. No, no, I I just don't see it. So it comes out through my skin. Oh, I actually have this bed that reads my heart rate. (laughs) And two nights ago, I got an alert saying that when I was sleeping, my heart rate went too low. And it actually says it's due to stress or your body coping with stress. That's weird. How low was it? Because I've done my heartbeat recently and it it was like really low and I was like okay that's not right it was like 56 beats per minute or something and I was like is that a good or a bad thing so usually I'm like 58 this is the heart rate variability so it like it's usually 58 16 it went all the way down to 25 one evening whoa yeah it was crazy do you do anything now to try and help keep yourself from becoming too stressed do you meditate or do you do a high intensity workout or anything to release 
I started doing CBD oil. Everyone's on the CBD train. So tell us about your CBD oils. What do you do? In lockdown, when it was the bad part, I was starting to wake up in the night having like anxiety attacks. Like I laid there and just like breathed and patted the, I found like patting the mattress really helped, but I wasn't sleeping well. And and then I was awake for two hours. So I like did so much research and people were like, okay, CBD oil, CBD tablets. I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. So like I went to the Holland and Barrett in England and I bought CBD capsules and then the oil from them. So I started off at 10 milligrams night and in the morning, so twice a day. And it started to help, but at nighttime I was still like still anxious. And I, I went up to like 15 milligrams at night and 10 in the morning. And it's like really helped. Like I'm sleeping now. I don't wake up with anxiety, panic attacks or anything. So that's really good. I really want to try some CBD. On the topic of skin still, do you have any products in particular that you find flare up your skin? Like for me, I can't use anything with fragrance. It really bothers my skin. Do you have anything in particular that you know of? Not that I know of, no. But the the products I'm on now is all like skin sensitive and no fragrances in it. But like I think I, I went through so many queens. Like you always think that the most expensive is going to help you for some stupid reason. Yeah. And I was spending like thousands of dollars on cream and moisturizers and it's like not at all the case, you know. I'm like more on the dry side for my skin and I would have like little dry patches around my face sometimes and I went to my dermatologist in the city and she's like, tell me your skincare routine. I was like, oh boy, like laid out my whole 20 step routine and she was like, all right, so I'm going to send you home with this $12 moisturizer and I just want you to use a cream cleanser on your face in the shower and that's it she's like stop doing so much I mean slowly over time I've like started building it back up but I definitely have stopped doing too much because I know that can be just as bad for us yeah I was doing stupid stuff like I was washing my face with whatever soap was available like even when we were just traveling in hotels oh there's some soap here I'll use this to wash my face like anything at all and then I would just use a moisturizer that I just like found anywhere I was like okay that's cool I feel good yeah well do you have any vitamins or supplements that you take daily to just keep your health optimal I take probiotic I keep it in the freezer and it's like dry granules I just take that with water in the morning apparently it's got really good things in it so my dermatologist put me on that actually but that's it so does your dermatologist think there is some sort of link between your gut and your skin oh yeah for sure but i did so much research on it it's all to do with your gut are you still doing the kefir no because it's another thing so then i did an allergy test in lockdown too because i was just like freaking out about what i was eating as well if that was affecting my skin and i'm actually highly allergic to kefir Oh my god. Yeah, so I think also it's because I was taking it all the time and then I, I did the test after. So yeah, it's kefir, I'm, I'm allergic to all dairy. There's some like, really weird ones in there, pork. I have the same. I wonder if you guys are the same blood type. I just took a test at home. You guys have to order it. It's on Amazon for 20 bucks and it tells you your blood type. Um, oh my god, it was so interesting because certain blood types, like my blood type supposedly shouldn't process meat very well and I should be thriving best off of fish and dairy what's so funny is I naturally eat so much fish and I used to do kefir in the morning with some protein powder and some fruit and thinking back when I was doing that I was probably in like the best shape of my life like I was just really steady with everything oh I should look at that then I've heard kefir is amazing for you but it's obviously dairy and so a really good alternative to that which I found is having coconut yogurt that has live cultures in it and they have that in all the supermarkets in England as well they're such good ones like kefir but there's no dairy so that's a really good alternative okay that's good to know 
So what are like your number one like tips that you would want to give anyone who's struggling with their skin and they don't know what's going on? Like, are there certain steps that you would say, like definitely take an allergy test or like what are the main things that you would tell them to do? I would definitely take an allergy test. Also, if you can afford to do it, like just try and see a private dermatologist. I know it can be expensive. But at least if you have one meeting and he can tell you like what he thinks is wrong and then you can maybe do your own research after. Otherwise, just try everything like food, play with the food. I know it's annoying. And for me, I know it's hard because of the anxiety and not wanting to go outside, especially if you have it bad. But I wore a mask. That's one good thing about COVID and the mask. Is <laughs> that you could go outside with a mask and no one can see your face and you put a hoodie on. Yeah, I quite love it, actually. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's like, okay, I go outside. The only thing that I would do is see a specialist. On the subject of COVID, you very unfortunately got diagnosed with it a few months ago. What was the most frightening part of that experience and what symptoms did you have? So I had the red eyes. I had a fever of 107. I lost the I like lost the use of my body. I couldn't really walk or anything. I had stomach pain, I had diarrhea and sickness, and I had tight chest and couldn't breathe very well. 107? Yeah, it was crazy. But like how it happened for me is so I got back from Cape Town. So I flew to Cape Town beginning just before lockdown happened and I was working in Cape Town and I took my sister with me too so she could have a little holiday while I worked. And then on the plane back we were boarding and everything and a lady on the plane had it and she'd got through security. They already knew she had it because her passport was flagged but she managed to get on the plane so we were like on the runway and we got stopped by the army and the army on hazmat suits came on and took her off the plane and then we were told to stay 24 hours in cape town longer so it was a whole nightmare my sister never traveled so she was freaking out she's like oh my god what's happening I'm like, okay we're all good we're just gonna go to a hotel and hang out for 24 hours and then get back on the plane tomorrow so we got back on the plane and then i was working in london so i had seven days of working in london and then on the sixth day lockdown happened so i ended up cancelling a job and going home to the uk staying in the north and then on the seventh day my symptoms started showing so it's really a seven day incubation like they say uh, and it's for me it started at 6 a.m in the morning and i got terrible stomach pain and then it was like a stabbing and then i had to run to the toilet and like both ends just great oh my god um and then i got back into bed and it was like back and forth like that for a few hours and mm. i was like oh, i think it's like i think i think it was food poisoning i was like mom it's food poisoning it's all good it's not covid we're all good because i started feeling better and no one came near me at the beginning and then my mum was downstairs and i said oh i really need a piece of toast i went it's okay i can eat again so i'm sure it's just food poisoning so she came upstairs gave me a hug like sat with me and then she went home and then an hour later my fever broke and I was 107 and my sister was freaking out she's like what do we do so she like she was on the phone to my mum at the same time and she was like putting cold towels over me and opening all the windows because I was hot then the fever broke after an hour and we called 999 or what is it 111 in England mm-hmm. and they just said as long as she can breathe then stay at home just do all you can to make her comfortable blah 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 I cannot believe they didn't say bring her in here right away. Like 107. I've never heard of that. That's what's so scary. They say don't come to hospital until you're like literally on death's door. And it sucks because you don't want to get to that level before you start getting treatment. Like You want to get treatment while you're still healthy, but they don't make it so easy. This is what's scary. So then the fever and then I was getting chills, hot and cold. I was just like trying to sleep. I stayed with my, I know they say you shouldn't, you should isolate in a room. But for me, 
I couldn't literally get to the toilet on my own. So I needed my sister to help me to go to the toilet. So I, I stayed with my sister in bed. I think also because I was so scared, I slept next to her. And my, then my chest went at like 9 p.m. And I had such a bad pain. And then every time I tried to talk, I could only do one word. And then my like lungs shut down and I couldn't talk. So my sister gave me like a blackboard to write on to like ask for tea or ask for something. And then so I managed it through the night. I managed to sleep. When I didn't talk, it was fine. Like if I was talking now, but like, <gasps> like this all the time. So the next morning it got worse though and I was talking to my trying to talk to my aunt on FaceTime and it was impossible and I started crying and then it's, it's scary because you're not used to not being able to breathe and do that kind of thing. So then they called 111 again, they told them, and then they were like, okay, we're going to send paramedics to check you out, blah, blah, blah. So my sister helped me down the stairs because I couldn't even walk like two, two steps before getting out of breath. It was insane to go from working out for an hour every day to not even be able to walk two steps was crazy. It's terrifying. And you're young and healthy and you're having horrible, horrible effects. I know a lot of people think being young, like, oh, it'll just be a cold, I'll be good, you know? Yeah. Wait, I never go to hospital. It was the first time I've been to hospital since I was born because I just hate anything to do with doctors or anything. <laughs> and they just gave me oxygen, did blood tests, checked my lungs. They said there's an infection. Yes, we're going to send you home because you're doing better breathing wise because they had I gave oxygen and everything. I was like, OK, cool. Did better. My dad picked me up and put me in the back of the car. <laughs> he didn't want to be anywhere near me. <laughs> oh, I bet. We have, we have like a big van. He put me in the boot. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, went back home and I was just two weeks isolation. And it was really bad the first seven days. I couldn't do anything for myself. I couldn't eat properly. I was only having smoothies because it was too much to eat and to breathe. And then toilet wise, my sister was like literally carrying me to the toilet in the bathroom. And then I remember on the like sixth day, I was freaking out because at that time, there was only bad things about COVID. No one heard of people recovering really. Like people were only reporting like terrible things about it. And I read, I was in the bath and I was reading an article about this little girl who died and she couldn't, they couldn't do anything for her. And I just all of a sudden got freaked out. I was like, oh my God, like what is happening? Like what's going on in the world? And I just freaked out. And then I tried to get out of the bath, couldn't get out because my legs just totally collapsed on me. I fell out the bath. And then my sister's like running. She's like, why the hell didn't you call me to come and help you? I'm like, because I want to do something on my own because I do everything on my own. And like all of a sudden I need to have help just to get out of the bath. I'm like, what's going on? And she was sat on the toilet and I just like, I was fully naked on the bathroom floor. I had my head on her on her knee and she was just like, like, tapping me she's like great my 30 year old sister laying naked on the floor crying I'm like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry oh no but then like after the eight days it was fine the eighth day to the tenth day I was getting stronger and on the tenth day I was working out again so it literally went like that it's crazy so do you feel like you have any lasting effects I know this is like a controversial thing and some people say they like their life will never be the same and some people go back to normal life. Do you have anything at all or no? I have from time to time. I can't deep breathe and I like, I have to catch my breath a lot, but it's not very often. Whereas my mum, she got it from me and she still can't really breathe very well. And it's been, and it's been like 150 days since she's had it. Actually, two days ago, she called me from hospital because the paramedics had made her go to hospital because she was having such hard trouble breathing. And they said to her, we can't do anything for you. They went, this is just the everlasting effects of it. Like you don't have COVID anymore, but this is just how your body is now. Yeah, it like gives you lung damage almost. It's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. But let's go back to your life as a model. You are in the public eye a lot of the time. Have you ever found this to be overwhelming or maybe a bit daunting at times? Actually once. 
it was COVID times. I don't know about you guys, but when I post on social media, I don't think of posting to 700,000 people. I think of I'm posting to my family and my friends and people who know me. And I had COVID. And then three days later, I posted a photo of me and my sister and she was looking after me. And I said, my symptoms and guys take this seriously. And this picture went all over the world and news. And I've never had that. And I totally freaked out. And I was like, oh my God, what's happening? Like people in Italy were calling me saying, oh my God, you've been on the main newspaper here and blah, blah, blah. And this, I didn't like. I don't like being in the public eye that much. And it's kind of scary that people care in a way or want to report on you. So this is the only only time I've ever been freaked out by it. I sent your photo to a couple of friends actually, because I think you were one of the very first ones who hit close to home, I guess, yeah. for me, just because it's like, oh my God, like a girl who's working in the same industry as us, like she's around the same age as us. And look, guys, it's this bad, you know, like this is real. This is what people are going through because it was early that you got all of this, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the last week of March. Yeah, there wasn't like a lot out there. So it was so great that you were really open about it because it showed, yeah, guys, this is real. Look, supermodels get it too, you know, like, but you're so cool on social media. You're always like just yourself, you know, you dance. You like. I think it's important to show who you are. For me, my personality is one of my main things. And you have so many teenagers who reach out to you and even about the acne and like saying, oh my God, no one ever normalizes acne and now you're doing it. And a lot of people struggle with their own problems that they don't talk about. But if you put it out then they realize that you have those kind of problems too. At least it makes them feel like they're not alone, you know? Were you always like this? Even from the beginning of your career, you were like pretty cool and chill on social media? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But before social media wasn't that big when we first started, like 12 years ago, it kind of got bigger and bigger as time went on. And then I think just for me, when you're affected personally by something, you want to make sure that people are okay. So like mm-hmm. I, I put it out there on social media too, but so my sister has mental health issues. And so I admitted her to a mental health hospital in Christmas. And I was at home, I, I was meant to go on holiday on the 28th of December and I canceled, I admitted her into hospital. And then she was in hospital till end of February. So I was like back and forth all the time. I stayed there till January and like it's hard. And people also have this perception that mental health is, for crazy people and people are wearing straight jackets and but it's not I would go to hospital every day and stay and sit with my sister and she's not crazy she just battles with demons you know and now yeah. this is why I got also so upset I don't know if you saw the Portuguese Vogue cover mm-hmm. they did not think about it I was like you can't do that in this day like so many people suffer with mental health maybe not as severe but you can't do that kind of cover. And this is the first time I've ever put on social media about things in our industry because you don't want to offend clients. And mm-hmm. But this I couldn't. I'm like, you need to. Like, There was a model in a bathtub, like literally huddled over with women with straight jackets on. I'm like, no. Yeah, and I got a lot of bad press and rightly so. Yeah. But good for you, though, because I think all of us have something different that strikes us the wrong way. And if everybody can speak up when they're rubbed the wrong way, hopefully eventually enough things have been spoken on that the boundaries become more clear yeah yeah totally I agree you've done an amazing job at getting your personality out there and showing the world that you're this fun vibrant person (laughs) which can be really hard as a model because like you're told how to look you're told how to pose and it's not so easy to express yourself and like let people get to know you it's just all about how you look that's what people associate with you which is actually why we wanted to do this because it's actually a platform now that we can communicate with people and spread our thoughts and beliefs so it's nice to be able to do that yeah I think also like I've always been like this because I remember 
the beginning of my career, I was, I think I was 18 and I was doing my first show season and I'd gone on holiday with a friend and we'd got back and okay, we weren't like in top shape. Back then you had to be skinny, skinny, ready for the fashion shows. And I remember walking into my agency and <laughs> they said to me, oh, babe, you're too fat. I was like, I'm literally so skinny. Like, there's no way I am too fat, my friend. Like, what? Uh, well, you need to, like, go to the gym. Like, just be careful what you eat. But also, if you say that to a girl who's young and they don't have the same upbringing that some of us have where we're strong women and we can take it and be like, you know what? Fuck off. I don't I don't care. That's how girls have anorexic problems. And the agents don't think how this can affect, like, just saying a stupid comment like that, how it can affect girls. And then the next day, this is very me. <laughs> I walked into the agency with a McDonald's. <laughs> so good. And my, my best friend was like, are you really going to walk into the agency with that? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, come on. Like, look at us. We're both skinny. How can they say we're fucking fat? Like, it's ridiculous. Were you um, doing it as a fuck you? Like, yes. Amazing. I'm like, you can't do that to a girl. We've all had our experiences with being told we're too fat by our agencies. It's a cruel little world we live in. Yes. Twelve pounds heavier than I am now. Twelve pounds, and they were saying, you know, maybe you're more like close to like the plus side of things. This no. is when I first started at eighteen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think they did my hips, and I want to say I was like thirty-seven or something. I was in college at first. I was enjoying my life. I was partying. I was eating, and I was like, okay, if modeling works, great. And yeah, they were like, you know, babe, you've been here for three months now and you haven't lost anything here like I think you know maybe like we could start pursuing some of like the plus side of things you know this model made it and she she's got the same measurements as you and I was just like I didn't show any emotions in front of them but I got in the elevator and I just cried I called my mom and I cried because I was like this is screwed up I was seven pounds heavier than I am now right so I wasn't like big at all and they were like great so let us know when you lose the weight and we'll be in touch I was like what? Excuse me? <laughs> no. They're so bad. I don't know about you, but when I first started, I relied on agents like parents in a certain way because you go into a foreign country on your own, you're not used to it. I understand that they, okay, this is their job and they go home at night to their families, but you've got young models in a model apartment who are freaked out, they're away from their family. Like you have to look after them. You have to treat them like they're your own children because it's really scary. There are some gems out there, but there's also a lot of agents who just aren't doing enough for sure. But yeah, a lot of agents are amazing, but some just don't think at all. Do you think the Victoria's Secret show is ever going to come back? I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea. I think if it does, it'll come back in a different way. Like what Rihanna did with the Amazon Prime Maybe it'll go like that way, but I have no idea, honestly. I hope it does because it's an amazing experience and for girls to do. And yeah, and it's you know I speak to so many people here, especially Americans, who love to like put the Victoria's Secret show on when it airs and sit down and have a little party. And you know, so it would be nice if it did come back because it's an amazing brand and they are amazing people to work for. I feel like also it's sad that it's not happening anymore because for so many models, that was like the one thing that all they wanted that would be like their career highlight. Like if they could just get that because not everybody is going to be walking on the high fashion runways. So I think it was important to have that other peak moment for girls who weren't high fashion girls, you know? Yeah, yeah. The kind of commercial side, the girls with the boobs and the girls. Yeah, totally. Oh, it's a shame. I really hope it does come back. But we want to know, we always ask our guests this just before we start to wrap things up. 
we want to know what your three go-to products are. It can be anything from skincare to clothes to gadgets, whatever it is. Uh, okay, let's see. CBD oil. Okay. <laughs> sure, number one. <laughs> uh, number two is I love a good candle. Yeah, I think I've, I've got one on now. It's like a three-wick grapefruit one, candle. Mm. And let's see. Probably a good hat, like a winter hat. Like what are they called? Um, the beanies. Beanies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Beanie woolly hat. Yeah. Oh, woolly. That's the UK version, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're in New York, you'll die without yeah. a hat. <laughs> well, do you want to let our listeners know where they can find you online, whether it's your social media, if you have a website, anything like that? Mainly just Instagram. My name, Alexina Graham. That's all I'm like active on. I'm not on active on anything else. So just Instagram. That takes enough time and energy. In yeah, that's true. It does. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alexina. You've been amazing and we're so happy that you came and joined us today. Thank you, guys. Have a good rest of your Saturday. All right, guys, you know what time it is. The question and answer segment is here, one of our favorite parts of the show. We pick two questions from our Instagram every single week and we answer them on the show. So the first question that we picked this week is, what is your favorite affordable store to shop at for clothes? So for me, I am such a Zara lover. I think Zara is so good. It's good quality. It's good pricing. And you know what? They knock off everything from the runway. So you know their stuff is good. Some people hate them for that. Some people love them for that. If you haven't shopped there before, get with the program and check out Zara. Yeah, mine has to be Zara. I feel like they have the best quality clothes compared to the other affordable shops. I always see people wearing something that looks super cute. And whenever I ask from it's from, I'm usually expecting them to say something expensive. But nine times out of 10, the answer is Zara. Also, I do a lot of shopping on ASOS. So you can get some really cute things on there sometimes and I can spend hours browsing everything. Zara has the best basics. Yeah. What's the second question? So our second question is, have you ever had laser hair removal? No, I haven't, but I've always wanted to. I've heard it doesn't work so good on people with blonde hair, so I never really bothered. I just epilate and I'll get a wax if I'm going away or if I have a swim shoot. But apparently, if you use an epilator for long enough, it eventually stops your hairs from growing back at all. I don't know. I'm going to keep trying it and see what happens. And fingers crossed. My college roommate loved epilating. I was always like, eh, that looks scary to me. <laughs> but um, I have never had laser hair removal. I have thin blonde hair. So for anyone with thin blonde hair, if you've never looked into laser hair removal before, don't even waste your time because the laser actually doesn't work on thin blonde hair. You've got to have like thicker, coarse brown hair. So no, I never have. I'm not a very hairy person, I guess you could say. Just have like really thin hairs. <laughs> what a conversation. But I know that it's a big thing and people love laser. My friends who do it love it. So I think it's something to look into, at least get a consultation. But it's one of those things, I think, make sure you go to a good place that has good recommendations. My friend actually uses a laser that she has at home, which she swears by and says it's amazing. After three months of using it, now she literally has like no hairs on her body. So works wonders. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. We love having you guys here. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, don't forget to click that subscribe button. And don't forget to come over to our Instagram page. We are on there at the Not So Simple Life podcast. We are answering all your questions and all your DMs. So don't be shy to reach out and we'll see you next Tuesday. 